Okay, good morning. Today's daf is daf Pei Gimel. We're going to end off Perek Maruba, and we're going to start uh, the new Perek, the eighth Perek, Perek Achovel. Um, we're going to go from the last line of Pei Beis and the Beis, 82b. The Gemara there is... Uh, um, remember the, 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 just the previous sukkah we discussed, you're not allowed to raise pigs in Israel. And it brought the reason is because when the, there was the civil war between the two Hashmonaim brothers, Hurkunus and Aristablus, Hurkunus um, 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 was inside Jerusalem and Aristablus was laying siege outside. And they used to lower a basket of money and Aristablus's men would put in a the korbanos they needed for the korban toda. And an old man who was wise in Chochmas Yavonis, it's interesting, it seems to be an essential factor that he knew Chochmas Yavonis, told them, as long as you send them the korban tomit, you're never going to be able to defeat them. So they put, in a, they put a pig into the basket instead of a lamb, and when it got halfway up the wall, it stuck its hooves into the wall. I feel like this is all metaphorical, I don't know what it literally means, and Eretz Israel shook, and... 400 Amos for 400 Amos, it really uh, was jarring to Eretz and as a result, I mean, that led, as we point out, that led to the Roman, the Romans getting involved, and the, and from then on, the Romans actually ruled, uh, ruled Eretz even though we still had the base, I mean, that for approximately another 100 years, we were under Roman rule. Um, but we then mentioned at that time they said, Cursed is one who raises pigs, and cursed is one who teaches his son, Chochmas Yavonis. So, Chochmas Yavonis mi Asira? Is it really also to. Is Chochmas Yavonis Asir? We're going to bring a source and it should be allowed. It says, Rabbi Rabbi's taught, Be'eret Israel, Loshan Sursi Lama. Why in Eretz Yisrael does everyone speak Lashon Susi? Oy Lashon HaKodesh or Lashon Yavonish? Speak Hebrew or speak Lashon Yavonis? But you we see, Yavonis, speak Greek. It says, V'omer Rabbi Yoisi, B'vavah Lashon Arami Lama. Rabbi Yoisi says, I don't understand why in Babel they speak, uh, um, why in Babel do they speak Aramaic, oi Lashon HaKodesh, oi Lashon Parsi, they should rather speak Lashon HaKodesh or Parsi. Um, so just interesting before, I mean the question we see is that we said that it's also to speak, it's Chochmah uh, Shavonis is Asur, and Rebbe comes along and he says, I don't understand why in Eretz Yisrael they don't speak Greek. Clearly it seems it's okay. So Omri they said, Lashon Yavani Lechud, Chochmah Yavonis Lechud. The Greek language is one thing, and Chochmas Yovonis, that way of speaking, is something else. It's not too clear what Chochmas Yovonis is. Some say it's a way of, as we'll see, it's a way that the nobility used to interact with each other, almost, uh, what's it there, secret signals of etiquette and, you know, how to interact with people and things. That seems to be one aspect. Some say it's more to do with the philosophy, Greek philosophy. Um, I, that, that would, I think, fit in well with Chochmah, but at least on the page, and Rashi here seems to, where was it? Um, yeah, Rashi says very clearly on this page, it's the fourth line of Rashi, B'nai Paltin, the, I think that means the, the rulers, or the sons of, I think that's what it means, Akrovian and Malchus, who were close to the rulership, or, yeah, but I, Palatin, maybe Platinus palaces, but either way, noblemen or 
those who are close to the rulers, Mesaprim Bo would speak it. So he seems to be saying Chachmas Yavanes is a type of language. Um, but on the way back, just it's just interesting to note. So what's Loshon Sursi? So I think that's the Aramaic that they used to speak in Israel, um, which Rebbe wasn't too impressed. It was a very uh, not such a nice language. And Hebrew and Greek, well, Hebrew is Loshon HaKodesh. Understand, well, we can discuss what's the advantages and why should we speak Loshon HaKodesh. And Yovanis or is also a very clear and refined languages. That's what Rashi says, who Loshon Sach or Prasas. And uh, therefore it's a good language to speak. And Rabbi Yossi regarding Babel, it's very similar. Arami is the Aramaic. And he said they should rather speak Loshon HaKodesh or Parsi, Parsi Persian, a much nicer language than uh, the Aramaic that the Jews were speaking. Parsi Persian? Yeah, I think so. Now, interestingly, I mean, yeah, I mean, there, there's two questions here. One is, so Loshon HaKodesh, as we mentioned, why is Hebrew called Loshon HaKodesh? Because it's the language of the Torah. Very good. So the, the, the Machlok is Ramban and Rambam, beginning of Parashas Vayaka. The Ramban comes along and says it's called, well, he brings the Rambam first. I'll mention him first years earlier. The Rambam says, why is it called Loshon HaKodesh? Because there are no uh, rude or dirty words in Hebrew. There's no words for the male or female uh, privates. There's no words for fear. Uh, fear means coming in, and that's the language. There's no words for, there's no, there's no rude words, no uh, dirty words in Hebrew. It says that's why it's Kodosh. Almost what's used in the language is what makes it Kodosh. Um, whereas the Ramban says, no, it's Russian Kodesh because it's the. Holy language is the language that Hashem chose, that the Torah is in, that Hashem uh, chooses to speak with the Nevi'ah. It's, it's, it's used for holy things, and that's why it's the holy language. Um, okay, so that's Lashon HaKodesh. There does, I mean, I'm not sure what it is, and I'd love to uh, look into it more. There does seem to be an aspect of Aramaic that is holy. I'll give you a few reasons. One is, uh, I mean, you could argue that maybe it's not, but the Gemorahs, both Talmud, Bavli, and Yerushalmi were written in Aramaic. Now you could argue that they were only written in Aramaic because that's what the people spoke, so they wanted to be the colloquial language, um, but it was left. Similarly, like in our, there are words of Aramaic in the Chumash. Yigarsa, Dusa, that's Balavan, um, I can't think of hand of other examples, but there are words of Aramaic in the Torah. So maybe it does have an aspect of holiness to it. Targum Unculus. We do say that the Torah was given in 70 languages, and Unculus is the Aramaic one that was given at uh, Har Sinai, but um, but where, like, but why, like, why don't we have the, any of the other Targums besides Targum Unculus, the Aramaic? There does seem to be something special about Aramaic, but that, I guess, is Something to look into, as I said, I'm not too clear on it. You can. I'm saying, firstly, you wouldn't daven in a language you don't understand except Hebrew. Yes, I mean, but Kaddish and Kaddish, Kedusha, and those sort of things, Chazar, Sashat, Sadvarim, Shabbat, you need 10 people anyway. Right. 
So it has not to do with necessarily to do with that it's Aramaic, it should be the same as Kedusha. Um, Baruch Shema? Baruch Shema is Hebrew. No, Baruch, 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 Baruch. I mean, that's a paragraph from the Zohar. It's, that's to do with taking out the Torah. Again, you're only going to be laying the Torah in a minute. I'm not sure. The Kumpur Khan, there are two that we only say. One of them we say, whether you're dining by yourself or in a minion, and the other one you say only in a minion. But again, those also, I mean, why haven't we translated the Yukumpur Khan into English? Um, or into another language, why is it in Aramaic? So there does seem to be something special about Aramaic. And uh, uh, wasn't it a time when they said to use Urdu language to talk the local language and only use Lushan or Kurdish when you either praying or learning English? I don't know, I've heard that, that's why Hasidim speak Yiddish. I've heard that's why they, they insistent on speaking Yiddish. Because you only want to use Lashon HaKodesh for holy things. Yeah. But I'm not sure, I don't know the source for that offhand. Maybe it's assisted Eastern Europe if they did that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, even now, Hasidim, yeah, but I'm saying even now in Israel, certain Hasidim insist on speaking Yiddish. Um, insist on speaking Yiddish, except for Torah, for learning and davening. I remember once when my, when my cousin to a bookshop, so my cousin tried to, from Israel was trying to speak to him in Hebrew, trying to speak to him in English, and he had a bookshop owner was much more happy to speak to me in English than him in Hebrew because he didn't want to speak in Hebrew. I had to say to him in Yeah. Okay. So, okay, so the languages are interesting, and I mean, that's not just interesting, important to appreciate the value and the significance. Like I said, I'm just not sure where Aramaic got the special status from. I mean, the Jews spoke it. It was definitely the language. That's what Rebbe says. He says, I don't understand why they're speaking Sursi. And Rebbe Yossi says, I don't understand why they're speaking Aramaic. Okay, but carrying on, um, then the Gemara asks, Sorry, I skipped. Um, so we mentioned there's a distinction between Lashon Yavani and Chachmas Yavani. The curse is on one who teaches his children Chachmas Yavani's. Oh, the Chachmas Yavanis me a series of really also to teach to Chachmas Yavanis. So, Omar, Rabbi Yehuda, Omar, Shmuel, Mishum, Rishum, Gamiel. Rabbi Yehuda said, Name of Shmuel in the name of Ramah Gamiel. Any Oilelol, Nafshi, Mikol, Benoi, Siri. Basically, I'm totally um, despaired when I look at the people of my city. He says, Elif Yeladim, Hoyu, Beveis, Abba. My family's household had 1,000 stu- uh, children. He says, Chamesh, Meos, Mehem, Lomdu, Torah, Chamesh, Meos, Lomdu, Chachmas Yavanis. 500 of them learned Torah and 500, or were taught Torah and 500 of them were taught Chachmas Yavonis. I'm the only one who remains from them. All the others were killed or destroyed. I remain here and my nephew, oh sorry, well, the, my cousin, my father's brother's child, remains in Asia, Asia, or something like that. But what do we see? In Rabbi Shimon Gamliel, the house of the Nasi, they taught the children Chosmos Yovanes. So Omri, shiny base Rabban Gamliel, the house of Rabban Gamliel is different. Shehoi, you craving the Malchus, because they were very close to the Malchus. Ugulatanya, as we learned in Abraisa, Hamasaper Kumi, Hareza Midarka Mori. Someone who grows this hairstyle called Kumi is Midarka Mori. The various opinions what sort of hairstyle it is. Rashi here seems to say very interestingly, basically you shave the front half, like towards your face of your head, and you leave the back half, like from the ears backwards, growing. Others say it's more like a mohawk. Um, 
whatever the exact hairstyle is, but it's Darkei Mori. It says, Avtulus ben Baruvain. Avtulus Baruvain, Hitiru lo saper kumi minayishu korol malchus. They allowed Avtulus Baruvain to grow this hairstyle called Kumus because he was very close to the kingship, to the rulers. And elsewhere it speaks about how he, uh, he used his closeness and he pretended to be a non-Jew or... And here, um, and here, if you look at Tosfos, he says, They didn't make the Xayra of not growing a kumi on the on those who were close to the kingship. And he was close. He was very. He was what's it? Rogel. He was in the habit. He would frequent them. Um, Abtumus ben Ruven grew a kurmi shelo yakiru shuhu yehudi vehite asam. And they didn't recognize that he's a Jew and he could mislead them. I, when a Jew gets up before the UN and says how wonderful Jews are and why they should be, uh, you know, people don't take it so seriously. But when it's this person who looks like he's an Oibdav or gets up and says uh, how wonderful the Jews are or why they shouldn't make these xeris and bans and decrees against them, it's a different story. So that was um, Avtumus ben, ben Ruvain's strategy and they allow, and it was fine because he was close to the kingship. I'll come back to this point when we finish this. Similarly, the family of Rabban Gamliel, the Nasi, they were close to the rulership so they allowed them to speak Chochmas Yavonis. Um, so yeah, you're allowed to, it seems there's a dispensation for Chochmas Yuvonis. Now there's a final question on this is right. If the Archaea Moiri is also, how can the rabbis just come along and say, well for these people it's a problem, for these people it's okay. Again, it's like saying, yeah, oh, since you're friendly with uh, Ramaphosa, you can eat non-kosher. Like if it's a isu, if it's a isu dorais, so it's also dorais. So like how do you make such exceptions? Yeah, it's a hmm? <coughs> yeah, I mean, but if it's isu dorabana, then they can be <coughs> making, they can say it applies in this situation, or no, they can say that it applies in this cases and it doesn't apply in that cases. You know, they can say under certain circumstances, you're not, you know, if it's Isu Dravon and if it's Isu Torah, then where do you get to make such a distinction? So the, the Kobet Shurim very concisely, that's why we'll go through it, goes through, it's quite a big discussion, but he brings here, so he's first he brings the Toshas we just read, and he says, Tosa says, gozru, I didn't make that implies that it's just a Sarah Rabbonin. Okay, then you have no issue. The Rabbonin said, well, if you live in this country, it's a problem. If you live in that country, it's okay. If you, or not like that, I'm being a little bit uh, tongue in cheek. If you're close to, if you need to work with the government, you're allowed to. If you don't work with the government, you're not allowed to. Okay, the Rabbonin making the Xerah, they can do that. He says, but he says, but sorry, him, the Kivin Shumidarke Mori, who is Sudoraisa, but that's difficult because once we say that it's the issue is Darke Mori, which is what the Gomorrah says, then it's the Isudoraisa. This is Malkos. You could get lashes for it. You shave your hair in this hairstyle, you do Darkam or you should get lashes. Uh, the, I'm reading in the Kovet Shiurim on Baba Kama Daftari Chesat Rabokhan and Vasaman. And so, what's it not? Daftari, a point Tzari It's the last one on the Perak. Um, so he said, so clearly it's But then we have our question, how can they permit it to those who are close to the government? 
And the uh, Kesef Mishnah asks this question on the Rambam. The Tirates and he answers, Shalom Ashra Kasev El Ha'chomim, Vahem Ro Lahati B'Provin Malchus. He answers with a very, it's quite a fundamental, important principle that's brought up a few times, but he says, no, the, the Torah handed over the decision to the Chachomim. And they said in this case, it should be permitted. I, they said in Halachas, we kind of say that the Torah just says there should be Halachas around us, but Chazal, you must choose the parameters. And another example of this is Malachon Cholomoyed. Some say that. There's no clear halachas. The Torah says you must keep Cholomoyed, but it gave the Rabbanon to decide where, what should be mutar and what should be also. And that's why, interesting enough, the halachas of Cholomoyed are very, very complex to find the, the parameters that Chazal are working on or where do they get them from. But that's interesting. So the Keset Mishnah asserts that Darke Mori is the same thing. It's given to the Chazal to determine what falls under Darkemori, what should be problematic and what should not be, and therefore they're allowed to say, well, for someone who's crowing the Malchus, we allow them to grow a kumi to do these certain Darkemori. I'm thinking of something similarly related. If it tastes, on this bread, if it tastes like bread, looks like bread, it feels like bread, it's bread. If you start behaving like a Greek, if you start behaving like a Greek, talking like a Greek, and looking like a Greek, you carefully don't become a Greek. Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, but, the, but he says, but the, yeah, so the Kovet Shirim carries on and says, but tomorrow it's sorry, I'm the Lonim Shrulachachomim Rakla Boresh Masha who bechlal Darkemori. That would seem to be just that the Chachomim get to explain what's included in Darkemori. Avalola Hatriya Sadi Super, not to permit what is forbidden. I, the parameters of what's considered dark amori and what's not considered dark amori, you can say that the Torah gave that over to Chazal. But once Chazal comes along, okay, so it seems that growing a kumi, growing a certain hairstyle, is dark amori. Well then, how did the rabbis say, oh, so it's dark amori, but we're going to allow it in certain circumstances. Once they've said that it falls into the category of dark amori, it should be blankly also. So therefore, um, he then brings over Maharik, Shorish the Maharik in uh, the famous Poisek uh, says in Shoyosh Kutzarebeis from the language, it says, I'm just skipping a few lines. It says, No. From the language of the Maharik's Medaik and the language of the Bryce, the Isra is only when your motivation is to be the same as them, to turn into a Greek. If you're doing it for a, another beneficial reason, and I don't know what covered, maybe for honor amongst the rulers, I'm not sure what the covered is there, mutar, then it's permitted. Then it says, Well, then it would be the same thing. Those who are close to the government who need to argue on behalf of the Jews and integrate with the government, they're doing it for the purpose of the rabbin, the community, and therefore it would not be also. <coughs> and then he says, okay, but the language is Hiru is the and they allowed it. It should be blanket. So he says maybe he want, they wanted to make it um Chazal wanted to make it very clear that they're allowed to. That's why they use it as the language of we permit them. Even though the issue was never on them in the first place, they use the language of they're allowed to to emphasize it only them from other people. But otherwise very interesting. I appreciated that answer a lot. He says it's almost if your Darke Mori is awesome, and it's the Isu Doraisa. And what, and you can even ask, say like the Kesed Mishnah that it's given over to the Chachomim to to define. 
But once I've defined something as dark Amori, you're going to run into trouble if you say that some people are allowed to do dark Amori and some people aren't allowed to do dark Amori. So therefore, he brings from the Maharik that the real issue here is um, the, the issue of dark Amori that is also is when you're doing it to be like the non-Jews. If something falls into the category of dark Amori and you're doing it to be like the non-Jews, that's also Doraisa, that's also can get lashes for transgressing a negative commandment in the Torah. Um, that's dark Amori. However, if you're doing it for a, I'm going to use the word not the right concept, ulterior motivation, yeah. if, there's a, if there's a beneficial reason why you're doing it and it's not to be similar to them, it's for this other goal you have in mind, like the those who are close to government, they did it so that they could, whatever, I guess, get involved in Senate. If you have a Jew dressed like a Jew and acting like a Jew, they're not going to let him into the Roman Senate. They're not going to let him into Parliament. So he puts on a smart suit and a tie and, a, um, and uh, shaves his hair in a kumi hairstyle. And then they let him integrate and mix and he's able to function and to, to advocate on behalf of the Jews. So that's when it's permitted, when there's the positive motivation on behalf by the people. This is the trouble with the Enlightenment. He said they wanted to be like the Goyim. Yeah. yeah. This is the trouble. So that's, yeah. They asked Rav Moshe, I think it's around the, it's a tour from around the 1950s, quite, like, quite a long tour. They asked him, can you wear a suit? I mean, this is in America, they were coming to America from Europe, they allowed to wear the suit. <laughs> I don't know if it's a suit and tile suit, if you look at the silver game, but I mean, he says it's fine. He says, this is, this, I mean, this brings on to it's a very broad and interesting discussion. What, non-Jews wear jerseys, so I'm not allowed to wear a jersey, is that Dark Hamori? Non-Jews uh, walk upright, so I must crawl, because, you know, like what? So, so, so the, they're, they're different, different um, poskin gives slightly different. Um, it's a more nuanced approach is what's permitted and what's not permitted. But the Marik, who seems to be one of the main ones we follow, his approach is if it's something that makes sense or has a good reason. No, no, if it makes sense and has a good reason. Wearing pants and a shirt makes sense. Yeah. It's practical clothing, you look nice, it makes sense. Uh, well, let me start from the other side. If it's because of Pritzus or... <coughs> Connected to Avodah Zara, then it's also under all circumstances. So something that even if it can't or makes sense, but they do it specifically to do it their Avodah Zara services, or it's not to do with Avodah Zara, but they do it because <coughs> it's promiscuous. Some of the clothes uh, they put out on the fashion lines, you know, whatever it is, then it's also. Other things, then it depends. If there's no reason and no purpose, then you're not allowed to do it. But if it makes sense. It's got a reason why then you're allowed to do it. There are more discuss there are more discusses there, like wearing a white lab coat. I mean in the fifteen hundreds, I don't know if it was a white lab coat, but it was basically the same thing. People at a certain degree, doctors wore this thing. So it's like it's got nothing to do with anything that they wear this. So you say no, it's to distinguish and highlight their position. So it does have a purpose and a reason. It's uh a special hat that a professor wears, whatever, you know, it's, it's to mark his... Uh, I'm saying in the 1500s, I don't know if that's what they thought, did they? No, when they wore the coat to the white. Yeah, yeah, I'm saying, so, so that's practical, yeah. that's to protect your clothes or to yeah. think. But I'm just saying, going back... Uh, but again, but, yeah, but there it was, I think, more, it sounds like more, it was just to highlight your position. 
But even that, he says it's okay to let people know, oh, you're a doctor, you're, you're a qualified doctor, or you're a qualified, you know, whatever it is exactly. Okay, lots of interesting points to go on. And the Vilna Gon, if I remember, is a bit strict in his take. He says if you don't know the reason, even if it doesn't seem to be Amorzor or Pritzis, still problematic. Others would be more lenient if you don't know the reason it's not connected to Amorzor or Pritzis, what's the problem? Um, it's interesting, I mean, you see how a lot of children dress and haircuts and stuff, it seems very much to try to be, uh, I'm not saying that those haircuts or clothes that they wear are Darche Amori, but there does seem to be a strong trend to try and be with the latest cutting edge uh, styles like the non-Jews, which is borderline uh, problematic. Okay, let's carry on. Next phrase from the Mishnah. You're not allowed to raise a dog unless it's tied in a chain. So the brides are taught you're not allowed to raise a dog unless it's tied by a chain, but near the border you're allowed to because they need it for security. But then obviously you have to keep it tied up during the day and you can let it loose at night. If you raise the uh, Rebelezer Agodol said, if you raise a dog, it's like you're raising pigs. The mind after him, what difference does it make? The price both are also to raise pigs or to raise dogs also. So what's he saying? He says, to say, does he get the curse? Remember, we mentioned anyone who raises pigs, never mind he's transgressing the Israel raising pigs, is the added curse. Yeah. So yes, he's saying someone who raises dogs also. Now, why is it so severe? It says, Omar Rav Yosef, Baminyumi, Omar Rav Nachum. But Bavel Keir has, oh sorry, before we get there, Rav Yosef's Barminyum is in the Renach, Bavel Keir has Muchala Saper Dami. Bavel is like a city close to the border, and Targum and Nahardai, they mean Nahardai. Either it's because of the Jewish settlement was surrounded, you've got to work out what does it mean, but is it because it's a dangerous city, so you're allowed to have dogs? Is it because it's near to the border of the other lands? I don't know, we're discussing Nahardai and Bavel, um, so you're worried about invaders. Or is it because it's a Jewish settlement and you're worried about uh, being harassed by the villagers around? Okay, so I'm not sure exactly why, but it gets the, the status of a city close to the border. Toshev Dustai Damin Biri. I've Dustai from Biri, and I would assume we view South Africa, Johannesburg, as a city close to the borders by the amount of dogs you find. Again, I think our dogs are generally different because we're not keeping them to. I mean, they're all for security, but they're really but pets. The the they're very, yeah, but they're also for pets and this and that. And it's not so straight that just having walls is good enough. Let's see. When they would rest, so this is when Israel would camp. Remember, they would uh, move through the desert and Hashem would leave them. And then when they would rest, return to the Ravavos Alpha Yisrael. So when Ben Israel would camp that on. For the Shrina to come back amongst us. This is coming to teach us that the Shrina doesn't rest when there's less than 22,000 Jews. Choser Achas. There was a point when Bnei Israel were just one less than this 22,000. And there was a pregnant woman amongst them. I'm assuming it's a city or a settlement. She was about to complete the number that you had, the 22,000. And then the dog barked and she miscarried. The one who had that dog caused the Shekhinah to depart from Israel. 
Now we saw, we see it's in brachas, etc., that the Shekhinah rests on uh, ten Jews, the Shekhinah can even rest on one Jew. So what's the whole story with the Jews resting? With this 22,000. So obviously there's different levels of the presence of the Shekhinah. There's a special um, intensity or level when they're ten Jews together. But obviously one Jew learning alone also has an aspect. And for 22,000 it seems the special level for Nevoah and things like that, you require 22,000 Jews. So a woman who went to bake bread in their friend's house and a dog barked. Don't worry about it. I've taken out its uh, teeth. It can't harm you. She said, you know, take your favors and throw them away, uh, throw them on the thorns. The my blood has already moved. I can already tell I'm going to miscarry. So we see how bad it is. Then he says, Ain porusin ishmin leyonim, etc. Unless it's within a, unless it's four mil away, you're not allowed to set up traps within four mil. Says, umi osli kuli ha. Do birds really? Do these doves really fly this far? You must separate your dove coat from the city 50 amos. We see that only 50 amos, not 2,000 amos. So Amrabaya, no Mesha Choti Tuva. They can fly very far. But they fill their stomachs within the first 50 amos of flying. In Baba Basra, the concern there is that the birds are going to eat from other people's grains and stuff. So that's why you need 50 amos, because when it starts flying, it's going, to be, it's going to eat food along the first 50 amos. But really, they can fly much further. You tell me that only far 30 risks and no further. But we learned in the Bryce, in a settled area, you can't even have them within a hundred mil. I'm setting these dove coats up with it. So we see birds fly even a hundred mil. Never mind uh, just uh, four. Says Rav Yosef, I'm a problem. Rav Yosef says, no, we're talking about an area settled with vineyards. The problem there is the birds fly from vineyard to vineyard, so they can get hundreds of million. But in an open area, they're only going to go about four mil. Rabba, I'm but you should show him. Rabbi says, no, it's where they're all dove coats along the way. So again, the birds can rest and along the way and they get much further. That's why it's problematic there. But table claim, you shouldn't show them goodbye. Oh, well, if they're dove coats, well, then you can't set up your dove coat near another dove coat. So why do we have to come on to our Mishnah as a separate halacha? So Eboy's aim a bit over Kofoy, maybe they're non Jews. Again, this whole issue of setting up a dove coat or a trap is not real theft. Because the birds are flying around, so they can't really be considered owned. It's extra sensitivity. So that sensitivity we apply to Jews, but not to non-Jews. But Ibo is saying, interesting enough, the Meiri brings his famous point here. So when it says not to non-Jews, that's obviously the pagans, etc. But the good, upright, Western non-Jews we live amongst, you'd have to be respectful of as well. You can look at them. Meiri brings that point up a few times. The Ibo is aim a bit of Maybe they ownerless dove coats. The Ibo is aim a bit day. Or maybe they his dove coats. So therefore, the birds coming from the dovecotes are not a problem. You can set it up within close range to them as long as it's four mil from the settlement from other peoples. Okay, Hadron Allah, Maruba, Hadron Allah, Maruba, Hadron Allah, Maruba. As I mentioned, I didn't get to mention because I missed the bit. I wasn't learning with you at the beginning of Maruba. But we've kind of changed. The first top main part of the Masefta, the first six chapters was... Nizkei Mamon, when your property damages. Yeah. The next chapter, the, the last four chapters are together. There's Maruba, which is to do Geneva. And then there's a break, which we're going to do now, Choyvel. 
And then there is Geneva, then Gezela, the last two chapters of Gezela. And Hachoiva, what we're doing right now, is Nizkei Gufa, when another person, well, not Nizkei Gufa, when another person injures another person. So we've left when you're damaging property, and now we're moving on to harming another person. So, a person who injures his friend can be liable for because of he has five payments. Not that he has to be liable for all five, but he can be liable up to five penal payments. Says, um, the damage he caused, the pain he caused, the medical expenses, the loss of work, and the embarrassment he caused. Benez, now the Mishnah is just going to explain how to calculate each of them, but the Gemara will go into more detail, so I'm going to, kind of, I'm going to try to go through them quickly. Benezek, Ketzad, how do you calculate Nezek? So Simeus, Einoj, he blinded his eye, Kitzes, Yodo, you said, he said, Shibir is right, but he broke his foot. Roy, Mosa, Ki'iluhu, Ebe, Nimka, Bashuk, Bashamin, Kamahi, Yofe, Bakamahi, Yofe. You view him as a slave being sold in the market, and you work out how much was he worth before, and now how much is he worth, and that's the damage. Um, interesting, my flock is here. Is it an Eved Ivri or Eved Kanani? Rashi says it's an Eved Ivri. The Rosh says, what do you mean? An Eved Ivri is only sold for six years. So that's definitely not the value of his Nezek. It must be an Eved Kanani. Okay, Tsar. What do we mean by pain? So if you burnt him with a spit or a mismar, even on his nail where you haven't left an injury. So now you're clearly not liable for an injury, but you're caught in pain. How much would a person take to undergo such pain? We're going to revise this in the Gemara, but on the surface, yeah, how much, if I paid you, how much would you, if I pay you 200 rand, can I burn you on your finger? That's okay. But okay, whatever, that, we'll, let, we, we'll let wait till we get in the Gemara. Ripui. Um, medical expenses are called so obviously if you injure him you're obligated to pay for his medical expenses what happens if uh, certain sores grow around the injury if it's because of the injury obviously you're liable if it's because of the not because of the injury you're potter again it sounds very obvious but okay we'll have to see in the Gemara if he starts to heal and then it goes back, and he started to heal, and then it, rever- it goes back, you're still liable for all the expenses in the interim, as many doctor's appointments, all the follow-up appointments, you're also chayel for. Chayel for, so you're obligated to heal him. If he healed completely, you're no longer obligated to heal him. Sheves, what's this um, loss of work? How do you calculate that? You view him as if he's a cucumber god, Shekvar, not a lot of the of the because you've already paid him for his hand and foot. I the Nezek, if you had this guy who went sold as a slave, could do amazing things with his hands and feet, and now you've chopped him off, then the calculation will take into account now that he can basically just sit around and watch something for you. That's how much you'll pay him. So when you're coming to now paying for the loss of work, he's going to be out of work for two weeks or whatever while he heals, whatever it is. You view it as a cucumber card, a guy who's just going to sit there and pay him. But again, it's not because you, you are before he was earning a salary of, I don't know, a million a month, and now he's getting a salary of 10,000 rand a month. So shouldn't you pay him the hunty? Shouldn't you pay him that? Or 10,000, a, a million because that's what he's missing? So no, um, you've already taken most of that into account with the Nezek. Boyshes. What's the embarrassment? It depends on the one who is 
embarrassing and the one who's being embarrassed. I, a nobleman embarrasses you, it might not be as uh, embarrassing as if a lowly guy embarrasses you, and so to who's being embarrassed if it's a lowly guy, doesn't affect him as much as a nobleman, so that you would have to do a calculation on the embarrassment, how much embarrassment he suffered. Okay, now the Gemara asks, Amai, why, why are we discussing paying money? Ein tachaz ein rachmana, eim ein mamish. The Torah says an R for an R. That means if you cut off your friend's hand, you cut off your hand. You blind his eye, you blind the guy's eye back. Famous, famous question. The Torah says R for an R, now we tell you it means money. So where do we get that from? Now, interesting enough, we're basically going to have a whole lot of drushes over the next, I don't know if it's only tomorrow or ends tomorrow, but quite a few different drushes of how we know it means monetary payment and not literal. Creates interesting thing. However, it really boils down to that's our tradition from Moshe Rabbeinu. That's what most say. Maybe we'll discuss it a bit more at a later point. But again, that's the, the question here is when the Torah says R for an R, how can we come along and say it means a monetary payment? So Lord Salkatitis, don't think that it means literally an R for an R. It says the Tanya will enter the I think the first one might be the trickiest one. <laughs> um, so Sima es Eino. Masame es Eino. Kites Yodamakates Yod. Sorry, the Tanya will enter the Yochol, you might think Sima es Eino. Masame es Eino. If he blinds his friend's eye, you blind his eye. Kites Yodamakates Yodam. He severs his friend's hand, you sever his hand. Shibar es Raglo, Meshaber es Raglo. He breaks his friend's foot, you break his foot. Talmud Lomar, the Torah says, Make Odom umake Bahima. When a, when he strikes a person and when he strikes an animal. So in the pasuk, it's all it's all the psuk, Most of it's the psukim in Vayikrochot Dalit pasuk Yud Zayin and for the next few psukim. Um, however, but I'm not going to go through the psukim carefully just because of time. But there it compares in those psukim when a person strikes another person or an animal. It says, we know when a person injures an animal, you pay. So to when a person injures another person, you pay. And if you want, there's another drosha to say that it's only money and not literal. Why? If you want, you can say, Don't take redemption money for the soul of a murderer who's evil and being put to death. For someone who's going to be put, for a murderer who's going to be put to death, you don't take a koifer. But you do take a koifer for the, literally the tips of limbs that run to turn, that's got to do with saras, but you don't, you don't take a koifer for injury. When we see in this sugya, the limbs that don't return, like if someone severs a finger or stuff, that's not really relevant because we're discussing any permanent injury. It's just the phrasing to do it saras. So just keep that in mind. The Rosha Avorim Shain Khajin means injury. We'll discuss a bit later in the Masech, but what about an injury that's going to heal fully or something like that? So, hi, Make. Which Make in the Posuk are you referring to? If you say we're going on the Posuk where it says, if you strike an animal, you shall pay. If you strike a person, you'll be put to death. Well, that's clearly discussing where he, not where he just hit that person and injured him. It's where he killed the person. So it can't be there. So elamahachat must be from here. If he strikes an animal, he pays for it. He replaces the animals. 
Now, and then we make a person who places an injury on his friend, just as he tried to do, you do to him. Now, okay, so we're making a Xayra Shava. The, the, the basic drosh is we're making a Xayra Shava between where a person injures an animal, or even kills an animal, to where a person injures another person. So even though it sounds like it's speaking about due to the person, what he did to the other person, it must mean like it means by the animal, and it's a payment. That's the basic drosh, and we're just going to um, we'll flesh that out, analyze it a bit more. It says, Hala Makehu. But it doesn't say Makehu. Where do you get a Xayra Shava? By the animal it says make. The posuk here is just for ishkiyitain mum ba'amiso when a person push, puts the blemish. It doesn't say when he make on him. It says when he yitain mum. It says yitain mum. So how do you have it? Remember, Xayra Shava is taking two words. It says, nah, ha, ha, We're making Xayra Shava on the concept. Yitain mum is the same as hiko, conceptually. So that's the Xayra Shava. It says, ma, ha, ka, hamura, ba'ahim, yile, tashlumim, afa, ka, hamura, ba'adam, le, tashlumim. Just as the hakof on an animal is for tashlumim, so to the hakof ba'adam must be le, tashlumim. That's why they're connected together. Ava, hoxi, ve'ishki, ake, kol, nefesh, odom, moisim, was. But wait, it says, when a person strikes another person, the whole nefesh, I kills it, he must be put to death. But what do you see? We see there's good reasons to say, no, go stricter. When a person, we see how much more severe it is when a person kills another person. So it makes sense to also go more severe when he injures another person. So Bamamon. Yeah, so he says the ishki ake kol nefesh or moishimos, Bamamon that must be is that referring to Mamon or it is referring to Mamon? It's my Dhamamon, I'm a Bamisamid Mamish. Maybe it's saying literally put him to death. It says Lord Salkata. Oh sorry, sorry, I'm I'm reading it wrong. Apostle Kia is quite interesting. Where the Ishki so when a person injures his friend, just as he did to him, you shall do to him. That's the next one. So an injury for an injury, an eye for an eye, etc. Just as he injured a person, so too you injure him. So, so we seem to be saying, so it's not discussing killing a person, but it uses the language of you must. So that you must put him to death. Why do you say it's punishment payment? It should be misa literally. It's no loss You can't think that. Firstly, it's connected to And secondly, afterwards it says Just as you did, as he injured his friend, so too you may you give to him. The word you tame implies mammon. You impose a monetary penalty. So based on the post, based on the context of the post, granted it says put him to death, it must mean, um, sorry, even though elsewhere it says if he kills a person, he shall be put to death, in the context of those psukim, that's posukhof aleph, in the context of the psukim we're speaking about injury. Ki mum is injury and mamon. Oh, mine of Shekhal Amos, why do we need a second? Drosha, but two Kokashi Latana, my Hoses, the Yalfis, Mimake, Bahim, Lolif, Mimake, Otto. You know, I think let's uh, leave it here for today. I'm getting a bit distracted, it's a complicated Drosha, and we'll finish it up tomorrow. But there's a little bit of back and forwards here, and others like Tosla seem to change the Girsa because we like seem to be going a little bit in circles to arrive at the answer, and we could have said it in a more straightforward way, but we're just going to follow the text of Al Gamora. Okay, we'll leave it there for today. Yeah, that's good.